We're in Genesis 22. And if you remember the last time we were here, we left off in 21. Remember, it was almost it was almost hard to talk about because it's really nothing went on. I mean, nothing of any huge substance went on. Really, everything was good. You look at Abraham's life and it seems like everything is just evened out. He's, uh, you know, uh, the threat from within his family for the seed to, you know, uh, to be born was cast out. They got rid of Ishmael. Uh, the... Uh, from the outside, everything looks good. He's at peace in the land. He has made a covenant with Abimelech, the man who was over the land that he's now journeying in. So he's got peace from inside. He's got peace from outside. And he says he at the end of that chapter, it says that he worshiped the Lord there in his in his land. So it, it looks like everything has evened out the way that it's supposed to be. Everything's wonderful. The promises of God have come to pass. And so really, you could probably I mean, if there wasn't anything else coming up, you could probably say, you know, Abraham's got it made. I mean, everything's worked out. The promises fulfilled and peace on the inside of his family, peace on the outside of his family. But in chapter 22, this is when God comes and he says, uh, this is when he is going to face the tests of all tests. I mean, the, the mother of all tests of his faith are going to, is going to come about. And of course, you know what it is already. Uh, chapter 22 is when God tells him, you're going to take your son, your Isaac, and you are going to sacrifice him. You're going to kill it. Um, so this is the ultimate test. It's, it's almost like God is it's almost like God is contradicting himself, really, because all of this time, I mean, 25 years, he's promised, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son and your son's going to be the seed of many nations. And now when he finally got, gets the son, chapter 21, after all this time, he finally gets the son. God promised the first thing God does is says, all right, I want you to go sacrifice so we'll talk about that. You need to make sure that you realize verse one and two says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. It's the same word for test. Uh, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou love and give, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for burnt offering unto one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. You need to make sure that you understand. We know that it's a test. We know that it's God testing Abraham to see if he will be obedient, see if he will be faithful to test his faith. You know, over and over again, we've seen tests of Abraham's faith. But Abraham does not know that this is a test of his faith. He actually thinks that God is going to require him to sacrifice Isaac. So it's easy for us to read. Because we already know how the story plays out. But you need to put yourself in Abraham's spot. Now, God is asking him to do something that is insane, that is incredible to him. God is asking him to do something that he would have never thought God would ask. It's almost like it's almost like he you know, you and I would be questioning, you know, whether God have you. I mean, it blasphemous, but you'd be you'd be thinking, like, have you lost your mind? Um, are you crazy? I mean, it would be... He's asking him to do a couple of things. 
He's asking him, first of all, to sacrifice the most precious thing in the world to him. You can see that in verse 2. You, you notice how it repeats itself over and over again? I mean, it's almost weird how he phrases it. it says, he says, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou love, and get thee to the land that I show you and offer him therefore. He's like, take your son, take your son, your only son, the son that you love so much, and you get to where I'm going to show you, and you're going to offer him as a, as a burnt offering to me. So, he, he, first of all, he's wanting him to give up what's most precious, but that's not even the biggest deal. The biggest deal is if Abraham is obedient to God, in Abraham's mind, this is going to nullify the promise of God. You see that? I mean, it's almost, he is in, he's between a rock and a hard place. It, he's in a, in a place where to obey God would seem to him to nullify the promise. The promise was that you will be, your son Isaac will be a great nation. That the world will be blessed through Isaac. Isaac is going to be your seed. He's going to be your heir. He's going to be, you know, he is the deal. And as soon, Abraham's been waiting all this time. And as soon as he's given Isaac, now he's saying, kill him. To obey God here in Abraham's mind is to destroy the promise. Have you remember you remember have we been going through this? God has fought for his promise, hadn't he? Mm -hmm. Even with people that would attack Abraham from outside, God came and he he protected the promise. Even Abraham's own sinful stupidity tried to get in the way of the promise. God came and intervened and took care of it. I'm going to protect that promise. And now it just doesn't make sense that he would he would tell Abraham to do something that would destroy the promise, that would nullify the promise. And we're going to see what Abraham thought in the midst of all this. Uh, the third thing before we talk about what's going on is we see the word sacrifice. And you, you, you've seen the pictures of Abraham, you know, like the drawings of Abraham raised up over his son, you know, with on the deal. Um, I guess that could be the way that it, really, but if you look at the commands for giving a burnt offering, an animal burnt offering, the first thing that you would do is, first thing you do is bleed it. You would slice its throat. The second thing you would do is dismember it. And then the third thing you would do is burn it up completely. So he wasn't telling him, just go up and stab your son. I mean, he was telling him to do something really gruesome. To his son. He was, I mean, this was like to just say sacrifice him as a burnt offering, it would have been like, I mean, to dismember the child that you love. It, it would have been horrible, horrible. And this was human sacrifice was going on at the time during, the, during all this. Um, and so he tells him to take him to this land that I'm going to show you, this mountain, this Moriah, which Second uh, Chronicles chapter 3 verse 1 tells us is where Solomon built the temple. So that's what we're going to see. As we go reading through all this, you're going to see over and over again, this is a picture of Christ. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of what God is going to do uh, to fulfill his promise. Uh, you're going to see the father go to sacrifice the son. You're going to see, I'm going to show you that it, it's argued very well, I think, that the son actually goes willingly to be sacrificed. You're going to see God intervene and provide a substitute you know, for Isaac and the ram. You're, and, and you're going to see that it, it's probably a stone's throw away from a thousand years later when the true seed went up the same mountain 
and hung on the cross, carried his own wood and, and gave himself on the cross. That Moriah was where Solomon built the temple. Jesus was crucified right outside Jerusalem. You probably could see from where Abraham's standing about to sacrifice his son, you could probably see the hill on which Jesus was going to die, you know, all those years, all those years later. So, is there any questions before we start reading? Why did he say that only son? Your only son. Well, because Ishmael had been cast out. Oh. Remember in the last chapter? Ishmael had been cast out. He was... Um, he wasn't a true son either. He was right. not a son given by God. He was. Well, he wasn't part of the line of the, the promise. And so uh, he was Abraham's son, technically, and he would be blessed by God. If you saw in the last chapter, he says, I'll make Ishmael a great nation because he is your son. He is from your from your line. Uh, But he was not the son of promise. He was not the son that God promised would be the blessing to the world through whom the blessings would come, through whom the gospel would come. And now he has been cast out. I mean, he's he's gone. He's never coming back to Abraham's household. He's never coming back to, he is in Egypt, got him a wife. You know, it said that in the last chapter. And so that's why God says, this is your only son. Isaac now really is his only son. And it's a picture of us, of this father giving his son and the substituting of the ram is the picture of Christ on the cross. It's a picture of the gospel. We're going to see that over and over again. So what would you do? God says, sacrifice your son. What would you do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd freeze. You would rebel. You would argue. You would, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I mean, that takes that takes some serious faith. I mean, I've said it before. I wouldn't let my son get a cold for any of y'all. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. Uh, and so he is going to sacrifice his son. I mean, he's going to get up. You're not going to hear Abraham speak a word. He's just going to get up and obey. Verse 3 says, And Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he claved the wood for the burnt. He split the wood that he was going to use to sacrifice his son that morning. And he went to the place which God had told him. I wonder what that night was like. God had just said, you know, you take Isaac, your son, take him to this mountain and you sacrifice him. It says early the next morning, Abraham rose up and he started making preparations. Saddle the donkey, split the wood, get the guys together. I wonder what he was. I wonder what. I wonder if he slept that night. You know what he was thinking? We we don't really know. I mean, all we can do is speculate. So he goes. I mean, he splits the wood himself and it's a three day journey. Imagine what's going on during them three days. It says on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. It'd been three days they'd been traveling. You can, I mean, you just imagine what kind of traveling they did. You know, campfire every night, you know, sitting around, talking, laughing. Abraham's looking at his son the whole time going, I'm going to have to kill him. I'm going to have to sacrifice this, you know, the whole time. I, I think what we're seeing is Abraham had plenty of time. To go back and say, you know what, we're not, we're not going to do this. We're not. I, I can't go through with this. I can't. I don't know. If he was smart, he didn't tell her nothing. He probably just, probably just left early in the morning before everybody got up. I mean, you can imagine. And this wasn't. I mean, God has. He has asked of Abraham something that is just. It's unfathomable from every angle. Not only are you 
giving, are you killing, sacrificing what's most precious to you? I mean, he'd been waiting forever for the son, but he's basically going to destroy the promise God made to him because God commanded him to. I mean, the whole thing is just, it just doesn't make sense. And that's why I said at the beginning, you need to make sure you understand that Abraham, it tells us that it's a test. It tells us that it's a test of his faith. Abraham had no idea. I mean, he really believes he's going to sacrifice this this son of his. This is an ultimate test of his faith. On the fleshy side, he's thinking, hmm, he took one of my kids. Are you gonna take the other? There's no telling what he's thinking. I can I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, you can imagine angry, confused. Probably didn't sleep for four days. <laughs> yeah, hurt. But at the same time, we, when we jump ahead just a little bit, we know that Abraham had that faith. Yes, he did. We're gonna look at that here in just a second. That we will return. He did? Absolutely. That's the next verse, I think. It says, And Abraham said to his young men, verse 5, Abide ye here with the ass, the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He says, We will come again to you. The verb there is in the plural. So he's saying, We are going to come again to you. And so, you're right. He does believe that they will return. And that's a, that's a kind of a... It's a it's a view into his into his heart, uh, but we don't really have to take it just speculation because the writer of Hebrews tells us what he was thinking. In in Hebrews chapter eleven, let me flip over there. Uh, Hebrews chapter eleven, verse seventeen is where it starts. It says, I guess I should have had this already ready. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse seventeen. It says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called. And this is what he was going through his mind, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So Abraham believed he was about to go sacrifice. He had no reason to doubt he was actually fit to go kill his son. But he trusted in the promise of God. Remember, God had not said, I'm just going to give you a son and that whatever son that may be is going to be the promised son. He said, I'm going to give you a son. You're going to name him Isaac. And through Isaac, your seed is going to be called. So Abraham believed the promise of God so much that he understood that I'm going to take this boy up the mountain. I'm going to kill him. And God has made a promise to make him a nation and so God is going to have to raise him from the dead. Believing that he believed in God's promise so much he believed in God's word so much by this time that he understood there's nothing that's going to be able to get even if I go up and kill him, even if I go up and sacrifice him, God is able to raise him from the dead. God is able God is able to do this. Now does that make it any easier on Abraham? You're still going to have to wield the knife, buddy. You're still going to have to, you know, set him on fire. You're still going to have to do what what it takes to be done. Uh, if I was Abraham, I I would be you'd be scared of what you're about to do. You'd be dreading what you're about to do. But can you imagine what it would be like to look into the eyes of your son 
as you were about to do this. You know, we don't have any word about Abraham. I mean, he doesn't say anything about anything except for, you know, the son. Isaac's going to say, where's the lamb? He's going to say, God will provide. Um, and here's the other thing you need to know. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. A lot of people think that, and this, I can't prove this, this is just me thinking out loud. A lot of people think that, Ab that Isaac is a toddler. And like Isaac is four or five years old. I don't think that's the case. I think that he is at least an older teenager. I think he is, he is probably about the same age Ishmael was when God sent him out. Probably 16, 15, 16, 17, right in there somewhere. Uh, first of all, the, the same word, the lad, is used of him that's used of Ishmael in the previous chapter uh, later on. And second, uh, a toddler's not going to be carrying enough w w wood to you know, offer a burnt offering on a sacrifice. I mean, that's a, that's a chunk of wood that you got to carry. And Abraham's an old man, so he piles it on to, he piles it on to Isaac. Isaac's carrying this wood up the, uh, up the, you know, this is not just two or three sticks to start a fire with. This is the wood for the burnt offering. It said that Abraham split the wood before they left. And so he piles this wood on, on Isaac and Isaac is walking up the, walking up the mountain with him. This, uh, for all intents and purposes, a 16, 17 year old man and this, by now, a hundred and ten year old guy are walking up this mountain uh, to to be sacrificed. Uh, he carries his own wood. Can you think of another time that a sacrifice was forced to carry his own wood up the yeah, hill? Do you see the parallels that you're going to through through this whole section? That's why Jesus said in John chapter uh, John chapter I think it's John chapter eight. He says Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. I can't help but think this is the episode Jesus was thinking about when he said Abraham saw my day. He saw what was going to happen because there is everything in this story points to the cross. Everything in this story points to the salvation. The three days. The three day journey, yeah. Because and the study that I did, you know, trying to study this. Mm-hmm. It was just one after the another of the comparison. Yeah. You, so it just it's so humbling. Yeah. And you, you can't read it. You, I mean, you can't just read through it without seeing mm -hmm. the father sacrificing the son, the, the son going willingly to the sacrifice, the, the substitution of uh, uh, a ram at the very, you know, uh, where God substitutes his own son for us. I mean, over and over again, you're going to see this whole thing points to the cross. This is not just a story about, hey, guys, come on, let's have the faith of Abraham. This is a picture of our salvation. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of our redemption. Redemption uh, in Christ. And Abraham is getting, you know, the gospel was preached to Abraham, Paul says, and we saw that already in Genesis. But here, this is this is not only a test of Abraham's faith, but it is a demonstration of what that faith is going to accomplish as the substitution is given for our sin. The substitution that is sacrificed for us is given. What I don't understand in this is, is an Orthodox Jew cannot see this. Huh. Yeah. And they're blinded. And you just like Isaiah fifty three, they cannot see it. Yeah. They believed in this old testament but not the new. But right, I got you. You know, it just it just amazes me how yeah. blind that they Well, are. Brother Eddie's been preaching here the last couple of weeks about, you know, the 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 blinded the God of this world has blinded their eyes lest they be brought to the we've been talking about that. We've been talking about that a whole lot. 
What, were you, what would you think if you were Isaac walking up the mountain holding the wood? Well, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, within your outline and then, of course, reading, going and looking into Hebrews and everything is he was willing. You know, he he, he didn't put up a fight. He didn't say, Dad, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> it was just he, he did what he was told to do. But he also trusted his dad. He knew who his dad believed in as well. Yeah. And his dad said, you know, God, God will provide. Mm-hmm. And that was all at. Isaac needed was that you know God. He told him God will provide, and so up until the point that God did provide, Isaac did everything willingly. He did everything he was obedient, just like Abraham. He was. He was a lot more obedient than Abraham. Uh, was. <laughs> yeah, that, like it kind of refers back to the the Ten Commandments, where it says, "Honor thy father and thy mother." So mm-hmm. he's going to follow those commandments that were laid out for him. But he's he going to obey. A lot more obedient than his dad was. His I, dad thought many times. <laughs> if my dad said, "Look," I, I love you. I'm finna sacrifice. I'm gonna punch him in the nose and run. <laughs> I'm out. You know, I was like, I love you, but I got to go. I'm gone. I see you. Uh, he gets, he starts getting suspicious. Verse six says, Abraham took the wood and he got the knife. He got all that. Verse seven says, and Isaac spoken to Abraham, his father and said, my father, he said, here I am, son. He said, behold the fire in the wood. Here's the fire in the wood. He said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And this is what Jennifer was talking about. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering so they went both of them together i can't help but think that this is this is not abraham just lying to isaac you know trying to get him up the mountain so he can do what he's supposed to do i can't help but think this is like it's a hope that god is going to provide it's a prayer that God is, you know, he's looking up. I can imagine him looking up. God is going to provide like a pray, like pray and please God provide. But it's also faith knowing that God will, God will provide It's It's kind of all of those. You can imagine the, the things that are going around in Abraham's mind is hard. It's just, I mean, he is probably, I mean, I don't even know how he's functioning. He's probably got all of this stuff, you know, it's fear and worry, but also faith, uh, also trusting that God made a promise. Um, all of this stuff is clashing inside his heart it's clashing inside his mind it's warring with each other and it, it's almost like I mean it's not a robot but it's almost like systematic like robotic that he just keeps on putting one foot in front of the other keeps on going up the mountain he's got every opportunity to stop every but it's almost like he is he is just I don't know it, it's almost like it's it's systematic that all of this is warring inside of him but he just keeps putting one foot in front of the other keeps moving up toward the mountain keeps going to uh, to be obedient to god uh it's really pretty amazing isaac is starting to realize hey some may right here i mean we ain't got no sacrifice Huh? He's really gonna realize it in the next verse when he bounds him. Yeah. When he binds him up. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and he laid wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. This is where we were talking about Isaac being um uh yeah, submissive, uh, allowing himself to be the sacrifice. I all the burnt offerings, all the sacrifices that were made in the temple through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all of them were bound. And they were bound for a reason. And so 
It may not, this is, I can't prove this, this is just me thinking out loud. It may not be that he was bound like so he couldn't run away. He was bound because he was the sacrifice. Um, I have a hard time thinking, I mean, if he's 15, 16, 17 years old and Abraham's 110, I think I might could jack him up and get gone before he got before he got me down on on the altar. Uh, but the picture we see here is a son that goes willingly, that goes and says, "If this is your will, if this is God's will, if this is what I'm supposed to do, then that's what I'm that's what I'm going to do." It's a son that is in in essence giving himself to be sacrificed. Um, in that scenario, he had to he had to be been shown the faith. To have to be able to do that. Sure, sure. He he had uh, presumably, uh, you know, he had been brought up in this family that trusted in their God and and pointed to their God. And so when you see this, when you see this son, you know, Isaac, who is giving, he he's he's allowing this hundred and ten year old guy to sacrifice him. You see a picture of Jesus who willingly gave himself to be sacrificed for us. You see the same. You see the same it's a picture of it it's not a perfect picture but it is a picture of the son who gave himself uh, for us and so I'm not I, there's no hint of a struggle you know there's no hint of uh, back talking or saying why are you doing this to me how come there's no hint of that at all all we see is Simply, Abraham placed him on the wood. Abraham, you know, and there's no, I guarantee you, I'm 16 years old. You know, when I was 16, of course, I hadn't grown much this way since then. I've grown a lot this way. I was about this tall when I was 16 years old. And, you know, I, I ain't the toughest guy in the world, but I would like to think I'll put up a fight if somebody's finna kill me. You know, I'd like to think that I wouldn't, you know, if it, if some, even if it was my dad, son, I love you. God told me to kill you. Yeah. Well, OK. Um, when God when God hollers at me, I'm gonna be walking out the door. I'm be like, I, I'm sorry. You don't see any of that. You don't see any fight, struggle, back talk. You don't see any argument. All you see is the son go willingly. All you see is him go willingly. He's placed on the altar. He is about to be he's about to be uh, the sacrifice. He is stronger, faster than his father, but he gave himself. And then right as Abraham is about to kill his only son, sacrifice his only son in obedience to the command of God. In verse 11, God stops him. In verse 11, he says, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. What do you think Abraham's thinking? Whoo. <laughs> That's right. He said, lay not thy hand upon the lad. That's the same word that was used in the chapter previous for Ishmael, who was 15, 16 years old, right in there somewhere. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from who? From the angel of the Lord? From me. What do you see? Who is the angel of the Lord here? Jesus. It's, a, it's the, in, the pre-incarnate son. He always speaks this, this angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord comes and he speaks, but he doesn't say, he says, now I know that you have not withheld your son from me. 
So he's separate from God in the sense that he's the angel of the Lord, but yet he speaks as God. Same thing you're going to see in the burning bush episode. The angel of the Lord came to Moses in a burning bush, but he said, I am that I am. It's a picture of, once again, we see it again, the picture of, of the Trinity in, in, uh, in practical significance here. He stops him. He stops him from he stops him from killing Isaac and he reveals that this was a test. He reveals that this was this was a test of your faith. He says, look, you don't have to kill him because now now he, he gives a recognition of Abraham's faith. Now, here's the question. Did God not know what Abraham was going to do? Yeah. Absolutely. He knew. Absolutely. He knew. So what does it mean when he says now I know that you fearest God? Because you have free will. I mean, he could have chose. He wasn't going to do it. Well, yeah, but what does it mean when he says, now I know? He's recognizing his faith. You know, he's, he's pretty much telling, you know, Abraham, I see you now. You know, I see that you are willing to be obedient to me. Right, right. He, he's letting Abraham in on his thought process. Yeah. And it, he also, it also, to me, acknowledges... His faith for the righteousness that he was accounted for. Right, right, absolutely, and it's a, it's proven to Abraham too. It's proven to, Abra- to Abraham something, isn't it? It's proving. I mean, you can imagine how many questions Abraham had for these last three days. How many doubts and fears and worries, and am I doing the right thing? And why would God want me to do this? And why you know you can imagine all those, and through all of that mess, through all of the the muddiness of all of those emotions and all of those things, he just kept moving forward. He kept obeying. It just put one foot in front of the other. God said, "Move." I'm going to move. He just kept trusting in God, even though there was a war going on inside him. He just kept moving forward. And in this, you see, Abraham has something revealed to him that he does after all the men. I mean, you've seen Abraham do some stupid stuff. You've seen him be kind of unfaithful in the whole of the 25 years that God had called him and sent him to this land, whatever. He had been telling people Sarah was his sister for the whole time. I mean, you've seen him go from the highest heights of faith down to the lowest depth of stupidity in denying Christ or denying God and not believing the promise. And here you see in this that his, no matter what's going on in his heart, when it came down to it and God came and said, this is what I want you to do, Abraham, despite the worries, despite the fear, despite all that's going on, he obeyed. And that proved not only to, not only to us, but also to Abraham that you fear God. It was not God saying, I didn't know if you feared me or not, but now I do. It was God giving recognition to his faith. It was God uh, providing that that uh, practical example of his faith, knowing that because his faith is genuine, his fear of God is genuine because he was obedient. This is the same thing that James uses in James chapter 2, where he says, look, Abraham's faith was manifest in his obedience. He was willing to obey God, even when everything else around him was telling him, don't, stop, this is not right, this is not going to work, it's not going to, everything in him and everything from the outside was probably telling him, don't do this. But he had a word from God that said, this is what I want, and he kept moving forward to obey that word. Y'all with me? Okay. So, he says, this, we're almost done. 
He says, where am I at? 14. You're not, yeah. Abraham, uh, 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. This is very important. In the stead of his son. In place of his son. Here you have the picture, the perfect picture of the gospel. Isaac is going to be killed as a sacrifice, but God provides his own sacrifice so Isaac can be spared. Understand, going up the mountain, Isaac is going to die when we go up here. He is, when we get to the top of the mountain, he's going to die. Instead, God provides a substitute to die in Isaac's place so he can get off the altar and walk back down the mountain with his father. Understand, they're going up the mountain. Something's going to die. There's going to be a, a sacrifice made. There is going to be something that is offered to the Lord. Uh, it's either going to be Isaac or it's going to be the offering that God himself has provided. You can't get a better picture of the gospel than that. One of, one of two things is going to happen in your life. You're going to pay for your sin. I promise you. Or Jesus is going to pay for it. It's one of the two. There is no other options. There is no other. There, there's, no, there's not A, B. There's not, a, there's not a C choice. You will pay for every thought that you've ever had, every action you've ever done, every word you've ever said, or, and that will take eternity for you to pay for that. Or Jesus will pay for it on the cross and free you from death. I was going to say pull you off the altar. Uh, he was going... He is going to pay. Somebody is going to pay. You understand? God's justice demands it. And what you see here is that God has provided a sacrifice. He's provided a ram. And so this is, this is the answer to Abraham's prayer. God will provide, son. It's the answer to his hope. God is going to provide. It is, it's the answer to the problem that Abraham faced. I don't want to kill my son, my only son. It's the answer to the problem that we face. I don't want to suffer for my sin. I don't want to be found guilty in the eyes of God. I don't want to offend his nature. Well, then you need a sacrifice. You need atonement. You need a substitute. And that was given. I can, cannot help but think of this passage when Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. I guarantee you Abraham was glad when he saw that ram in the thicket. And so... God provides. Any questions, comments, cries of outrage? Okay, good. It says, uh, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, which is Yahweh Yireh, really. There's no J's in Hebrew. As it is to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. What does Jehovah Jireh mean? God will provide. God will provide. You've heard that a million times. It actually says God will see, and it means God will see to it. God will, it does mean God will provide, but it means God will see to it. And that's why it says, that's why it says, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. In the mount of the Lord, it will be seen to, is what it means. And so he's saying, God has provided this sacrifice. So he named the place God 
provides. God will see to it. And that's God is still the God that provides for us. You can see application all through the New Testament using these terms. God will see to it. God will provide for you. And he said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this... Oh no. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself I have sworn. He said, I swore by myself, said the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee. Whenever you see that, uh, remember we talked about it in the garden. That is a, that's, a, that's a Hebrew idiom, which means I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply. Remember when it said, uh, when you eat of this, you will surely die. It says dying, you will die. And we, we talked about that once before. He's saying, he's saying in the blessing I will bless thee, mean I am surely going to bless you. In the multiplying I will multiply thee as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is on the sea, the shore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Uh, that is what who we are in, in Christ. Remember Christ uh, alluded to this when he said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. We will uh, possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, this is basically... The same promise God had already given to Abraham, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But do you notice that now he says, because you have obeyed my voice, because you have done this, at the very beginning it says, because you've done this and not withheld your only son, and then he lists the promise. Basically, it's the same promise he had already swore. He tells us here that I swore by myself. You know, I, I gave it to you out of my own free grace. I promised that I would bless you because of that. But now he says, he adds something in here saying, because you have obeyed my voice. Now, the difference here is, it's really not a difference, but what he's doing is it's so amazing to me. God gave the promise by grace for no reason, just because God is merciful, graceful, and chose to give the promise. But that promise came with a heart of faith that God also rewards. Does that make sense? So when you say God does bless you when you obey, God does bless you and 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 give good things when his children are following in his ways. And do, but all of that doesn't lead us to say, well, God owes me because I've done good because all of it comes from his grace. Does that make sense? God gives you grace. God changes your heart to obey. You obey. God blesses you for obeying. So it's all of God. It's all of Him. It's all His work. Our our following Him, our trusting Him, our salvation. It's all of the grace of God. We have no reason to boast. No reason to say I'm better than anyone else. I've done better than anyone else. He has done it completely and perfectly. It's almost like He is bringing Abraham into the promise with Him, isn't it? It's amazing to me. I, I may not have explained it very well, but it's pretty amazing. All right, last thing, we'll go. It says, um, where am I at? 19. 19. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. That's almost like anticlimactic. He doesn't tell us. How joyful do you think Abraham is right now? I bet they skipped down that mountain. <laughs> how joyful you think Isaac is? Like, woo! <laughs> Boy, you dodged a bullet right there, didn't you? That Abraham slept that night. Yeah. And when you see, when you see God provide, when you see God, he named the place God will see to it. God will provide Jehovah Jireh. When, when you see, I mean, 
you can imagine it is what a reward it is just to see God move. Just to see him move in your situation, in your circumstance. To see that he, he is a God that provides and he will always provide. You and I have, we probably have all kind of stories of where God provided. God had done, I'll just give you a real quick one. When I first, uh, before I was ever actually even brought on staff here at Christ Church, when we were meeting over there on East Main, um, I was just volunteering, youth helper. You know, I'd go play basketball with them. You know, it's like six of them. That was it. You know, and, you know, I just I just felt like, you know, God might be calling me. I wasn't sure God might be calling me to, you know, to, to go into ministry. And so I, we were discussing it, talking about it, all kind of things. You know, I decided, you know, I never finished college. And so I, I need to get at least finished college. And I was going to do that and then try to go to seminary. But we couldn't afford. I was working in a body shop. Dana was uh, a nurse then at the time. Uh, she was on, on days, too. So she wasn't one of them, uh, you know, that works you know, 60 hours a week, seven to seven, nighttime pay and all that. She was a stress test nurse. And, you know, we just couldn't afford seminary. You're talking about thousands and thousands. Of, I couldn't afford none of that. You know, so I was like, God, if, if you're going to move, I mean, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to provide because I, there's no way that I can do it. There's no way I can. And I got to looking into the things the first class that I would need this was not even seminary this is just finishing your bachelor's degree the first class I would need was going to cost 600 bucks Ah, 600 bucks to give for no class or whatever Uh, you remember when we were didn't have no idea well what are we supposed to do I mean I can't just jump I got a family here I can't just jump into getting in debt and all this for I don't know what to do and that week or the next week um, we went to the mailbox and the insurance company had overbilled us for the last two years and had a check for $600 waiting in the mailbox. God provide. I mean, and that's really just a little, you, you all, all have stories like that. You all have stories where you've prayed and you just saw God move and you saw him provide. And what did it make you feel? You just felt, you just felt peace. You felt secure. You felt comfort knowing, hey, my father's in control of all this junk right here. It don't matter what's going on. You can come at me with anything you want because my my father's the one that's controlling all this. And so I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear. I don't have to be in any of that, any of that kind of stuff. You can just imagine on this trip home what Abraham and Isaac were. You know, God is going to take care of his promise. He's made promise after promise to you as well in Christ. You go through the Bible, all the promises of God are in Christ are yea and amen, and I can guarantee you with 100% certainty that He is going to He'll flip over heaven and earth in order to keep His word. He'll keep, He will stop you in your own stupidity, my own sin, <clears throat> from destroying His promise. He will, he will not allow His promise to go unanswered, unfulfilled. And He's done that in His Son for us. Is there any questions? <clears throat> also, Abraham receiving his son back is a picture of Christ. Flip back over to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. That same verse we read. And then we'll leave. Man, they just... Did they take Hebrews out? Since, no, there it is. Same verse we read at the bottom of, of uh, 19. 
It says accounting that God was able to raise him up. That was Abraham. God's able to raise him from the dead even if I kill him. From whence also he received him in a figure. Saying it, his receiving Isaac back was a figure of God raising him from the dead. He really did receive him in a way as a sign, as a figure, as a type of resurrection. He received, it was a picture of Jesus rising from the dead. It was a picture of the resurrection that's to come, that you and I share in because of who Christ is. And so this is going to end um, just about the, the life of Abraham. There's going to be a little in the next chapter, but then we're going to start focusing on Isaac. And we're going to see the promise of God move again from, a, from Abraham uh, to Isaac. Is there any questions? No? Everybody good? It is. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've given. Th